1: What up, Whiskey Ginger fans? Welcome back to the show. If this is your first time joining, like I say, please subscribe and let people know. Do whatever you got to do to spread the Whiskey Ginger word across many and multiple platforms. I would appreciate it very, very much. This week's guest is Jim Norton. He's the best. I've been a fan for many years prior to my uh, starting in comedy and also now uh, in comedy as a peer. It's uh, it's a pleasure to talk to him, even though he's across the country and we're doing it via the Zoom. Uh, it still was a really fun time. I love Jim very much. He's cool, and I appreciate him doing this. Um, Everything is changing right now, guys. We're figuring out how to get back on the road. Go to andrewsantino.com for all the dates that are being readjusted. October 17th is still up right now in Boston at the Wilba Theater. If you want to come see me there, and we're working on all the other dates in the meantime. It's not up to me, dude. It's up to your local government. We're trying our best. andrewsantino.com is where you can find tickets, where you can get merch like this cool hat, this real rocket hat, and also check out our Patreon Uh, where I do uh, solo Cheeto Santino Cheeto chats once every other week and update stuff and be uh, more interactive with fans on there. Uh, The Patreon is growing, and I'm going to start doing more content on there, so I'm excited about that. Go to AndrewSantino.com for all that. The merch, the dates, the Patreon. It's all there, baby. Whiskey Ginge fans, it's summer, summer, summertime. Summertime, baby. Get them sunglasses for them eyes. You don't want to burn them balls on them UV Rays. Get yourself a pair of Shady Rays. Shady Rays are the best sunglasses that I've used in years. They're simple, they're cool, they're sleek, they're polarized, they're independently owned company, and they don't ask questions if you lose them or you break them. They're not making you fill out a police report. They will give you a new pair for free. Make no mistake, I'm not funking it up. They will give you a new pair for free. All you have to do is let them know you lost them, you broke them, whatever. They don't care. They are well-priced. They're durable. They're high-quality polarized sunglasses. You lose them, you break them like everybody does all the time in the summertime. These are excellent sunglasses to have in your home for your face. Uh, Shady Rays also is doing a good thing. They are providing 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order placed. They've already provided 10 million meals to this very date. They stand by... Their product, they have free exchange and free returns. I promote them. I really do like them. I love them. I, I, I wear them, and I, I really do like them. They're gray sunglasses. Um, right now, use promo code WHISKEY to get 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. Buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs of shades for 48 American dollars. Pretty good deal. Go to ShadyRays.com. You can find all their new stuff. Use that promo code WHISKEY for 50% off two or more pairs. It's a good deal.
0: In here... We pour whiskey, 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 whiskey. Whisk. Ooh, that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy and ginger. Like that. the ginger gene is a curse. Gingers are beautiful. You owe me $5 for the whiskey and $75 for the horse. Gingers are hell no. This whiskey is excellent. Ginger. I like gingers.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Whiskey Ginger. My guest today is one of my favorite people on earth. I say that for all my guests, but I mean it once again today. It's Jim Norton. Jim, thanks for being on the show.
0: Thanks, buddy. I'm happy to be doing... It's it's funny. I'm I'm happy to be doing any type of podcast or anything because I feel like I'm at least working. Even though when I'm not making money, I still feel like I'm working. So it feels good.
1: Same. Well, you are making money though, huh? Aren't you? Doing radio.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, even if I'm just doing interviews or other people's podcasts, I'm happy to do anything.
1: Yeah, I feel the same. You know what's so funny is at the beginning, there was... Look, you've been a part of this world for so long as far as in the radio world, the podcast world, so for you this is kind of second nature anyway, but I've been doing it for like a year and a half and so many people were like, "Fuck this. I don't want to do you know, Zoom stuff and all that shit." And I was like, "Adapt or die, dude. Like this is not going to be a fucking 3-week thing where they're like, "Dude, it's done in June. We'll be fine." So, I'm I was happy to do it. My only hesitation was comedy shows. I didn't do any I haven't done any stand-up shows. Have you done any of those Zoom shows?
0: No, I mean, I've done a couple of like, they asked me to do that whole comedy gives back thing. And I did something for the actors fun. But I'm like, it's just got to be conversation. I don't want it to be sketches. I don't want to be fucking doing stand up. I mean, it's just it's depressing enough to do stand up in a room full of people who are laughing to do it alone in in a kitchen uh, and hope that people are laughing is humiliating. And I would just rather wait to do it
1: yeah somebody was like oh there's a delay there's like a small delay but you get used to it i was like that's not no it's just not the thing that feeds us as live stand-ups is the fucking immediate response and the feeling the the waiting for it i think kills all the momentum and i've watched i've watched one I've, i've um i got a code from a friend to like you know jump in on a on a on a zoom show and it was hard to watch and it was like a good friend it was like it was like watching your buddy fucking bomb and even though he was doing well the, the lag was strange. It just felt so, it, it made me feel sad, sad for stand up. Although, watching a friend bomb, uh, I think that's all I'd want to see. Yeah. <laughs> like if one of my friends was
0: doing a Zoom show, I'm like, he better be fucking bombing or I'm not going to enjoy it. But watching a, my, yeah. a friend of mine die in a little box in the corner of my computer would probably make me really happy.
1: Yeah, no, it was, no, it's satisfying to watch your friends fuck up because you can talk shit later. But sure. the, in the moment, I'm like, this is what some people have to do. Just just some, some comics financially, they don't have a choice. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like some guys are like, no, I need the, I, I have the money. Like, um, a couple of guys just went out two weeks ago. Like, do you know, is there a bunch of New York guys that are starting to go out again?
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the clubs in Florida, you know, and, and of course I just did side splitters before the fucking pandemic hit. So I just burned that market. But like, I think Dallas and a few other places, and I got a couple of friends going down to Florida to, to, to take a date here and there.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, like Rogan is talking about going to Texas to do a bunch of dates because I think Texas is almost all the way open. And uh, I don't know, man. I just, fe- you know, I don't know. I just feel so conflicted about this whole thing. So I'm, I've am i just kind of tempered it and said, we'll figure it out as as yeah. we go. Because I don't want to be that guy. who You never want to be the first guy. You know what I mean? You never want to be like first to the gate and get all the yeah. criticism or all the praise. I don't want either of it. I'd rather just stand in the background and wait till it all kind of comes to fruition and then go, okay, cool, yeah, now I'll jump in, you know? I I'm have a, a bunch a of dates
0: see. for, like, September. I, I think we pushed most of my dates back to the end of September. Um, and I'm hoping I can get on, obviously, in New York before then. I, w- I want to get on and do sets for a couple of weeks before I go do an hour. Because I literally have forgotten my fucking act. But this Same. is the first break I've taken in 30 years. Like, I started in 1990, and I've never taken a month or two off. Never. Like, so, this was forced. And it doesn't feel that bad, because everyone's forced to do it. Right. so. When, when we're back and running, I'll go out and do gigs. I mean, I do miss it, but I don't mind the break either because I just—I've never taken one.
1: We're all in the same boat, I guess. That's the reassurance that everyone's kind of doing the same thing. So you're like, it's not like you're falling. You know, when you feel like you're not, if you when you haven't done stand up in a long time, you're like, I'm falling behind. This yep. is fucked up. This is stupid of me. Like I'm, in this regard, you're like, no, we're all doing the same shit. It doesn't even bother. It doesn't bother me even a little bit because I'm like, it'll happen when it happens. Um, you just said you were going to do Chip before or after this. I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated with Chip, man. Do you, oh, really? is it, is it something that you now, like sometimes people get so obsessed with a character or a sketch or even a, a fucking joke that a comic does that they like kind of glom onto it to the point when you're like, all right, I I have other shit too. Do people do that now?
0: Yeah. But I mean, it, it's encouraged because it literally is more interesting than anything I'm doing as gym. Like I just, <laughs> I like doing it. It makes me yeah. it, it really like I listen back to it and it actually makes me laugh because I don't feel like I'm watching myself. It's so fucking stupid. And it's weird. It's like your mind works the same as it does when you're just doing, uh, being funny in other ways. Except it's okay to do terrible jokes. It's like it's a complete freedom to right. look for the biggest shit jokes. I it's I actually love doing it. Um, so I don't mind when people get like a little crazy with it. Um, well, well, it's we, more fun than anything else I'm doing.
1: Me and Bobby show. That's kind of how I feel about me and Bobby. Have you know I do this show by myself, and I do Bad Friends with me and Bobby Lee, and. Bobby and I were on Cameo um, because we were talking about how much we love Chip and we were going to do a Cameo (laughs) for the show. But I just think it's just such a fun, it's a fun way to escape um, the normal shit that we do and kind of put yourself in this position to go, well, I can almost say anything that I want because no one's going to say shit about it because it's, it's a fucking character. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to, you don't have to reap any of the negative benefits of it, you know, only the positives.
0: That's exactly it. And it's like with Cameo, like Chip does Cameos and I love doing them. And people have asked me to do them, like Cameo said to do. But I'm not, eh, I don't, I don't know what I would say as me. Like as Chip, it's just so easy just to be a fucking idiot for two minutes. You can be funny. You can do jokes that suck. It doesn't matter. And that's what they expect. You don't have to be sincere. You don't have to be like, I don't know what I would say as Jim. And I'm
1: not saying I'm above
0: Cameo. I may do them, but I just don't know what I would say as me. I feel yeah. like I have more confidence in myself as fucking Chip at this point.
1: Right. Well, I mean, because that's like every comic has that. Your alter ego on stage is someone anyway, right? Like you as Jim now is different than you as Jim to, you know, to your oldest friend, to your, to the stage persona. Like there's so many layers to that that exists, but then Chip gets to be whatever it is and it doesn't fucking matter, which is I, which when I feel like comics for the most part, then they have the most fun and say the most funny shit because it doesn't, you're you're not up here about it at all, you know? Yeah, it's
0: weird. You're right. And there's no agenda to it. The chip, There's never a fucking point. Like, I I, I don't, I never care about like, uh, well, you know, uh, am I making a political point? Am I saying like, it means nothing. None of it right. means a fucking thing. It's just either funny or horribly unfunny or cringe or just humiliating, but it doesn't matter. It, it, none of it matters. It just comes out and it lives as it is. There's very little editing. You know isn't how that, it is. It's total it, freedom.
1: Yeah, it's freedom. But isn't that kind of nice to think about? Yeah, I think about that all the time now, especially like as comedy has progressed uh, in the more recent years, you see everyone's gotten extremely conscious about what they're saying, even if they're like a like a big J or someone who like doesn't k- quote unquote care about the the political fucking social justice warriors. Subcontextually, everyone does. Every comic does have it in the back of their mind. But what's great with these characters, like to me, that's what me and Bob do on our show. Is it's a characterization of our relationship anyway. It's all kind of hyperbolized. So I don't give a fuck if we're not making bold grand statements about something right. or even taking a position because it doesn't fucking matter, which is what I we love about Chip. We were laughing about it the other day because I was like, it doesn't, There, you can't assign him to any category, right? You know what I mean? He just gets to like be this whimsical, mythical character, like in a, in an old 90s comedy movie when they throw in a character and you're like, where the fuck did that guy come from? <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's the beauty. It's just this wonderful bit. That you get to exist in, I'm, I'm, we're very jealous. We talk about it all the time because we're very, very oh, jealous thanks, of it. Would you ever? Would you ever tour with Chip or no? No, I've done. it, it Chip is exhausting.
0: Like that's yeah. why it's funny. I started this Patreon because uh, I had talked about doing that for a year. I make no money doing. Chip. I mean nothing except for cameo. Right, uh, and you know you don't have to get rich doing something, but you want to make. something. I mean, this is a job at age fifty-one. I'm not in the hobby phase anymore. Um, but I'm like, I, I, I went out and did a few gigs. Uh, as Chip and it's the tickets sold really well, like a lot of tickets and it was fun, but I needed to have something kind of structured around it. Cause I wound up just riffing for an hour and talking to the audience and it was a lot of fun, but it was mentally as exhausting. Like if I had something structured, it probably would have been more fun to do. Sure. Like um, lately I've been writing these game shows um, to do on the show and I have guys on we'll do this, these, these stupid games. So I have some stuff that's written and it just, it makes it go a little easier But anyway, on the Patreon, I'm doing one and I'm going to give people the video on YouTube a week later. So people on Patreon will get it. But I can't even do two podcasts a week. It it makes me crazy to think of doing two hours of Chip a week in podcast form.
1: I just can't. Yeah, but I bet you people would love it.
0: (laughs) I (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, it's fun to do as like I'm doing like Chip is doing now doing these like, like a little bit of a science show. And and uh, these different like you know four minute uh, episodes of things, and I'm putting them up on Patreon, and it makes me feel creative again. Um, I don't care if 500 people see it. I don't. I don't care if it goes viral. I don't need it to go viral. I just want to. It, it's fun to do it, and right. whoever sees it, I think will like it. That's you know what I mean. It's. A, I'm never going to get Chip's never going to make me, you know, genuinely famous.
1: Yeah, no, but I mean, it's an it's an it's an addition. Like, do you find this is what's interesting to me? Not to dig deeper on it, but I'm fascinated with the idea that like. Now, uh, a friend of mine signed me up, a a friend who's 24, signed me up for TikTok. And he was like, dude, you have to be on TikTok. And I said, well, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to do any of that shit. And he goes, you don't have to do any of this shit. Just upload old stand-up clips or old bits you've already done. You'll find a new audience that doesn't even know you exist. Right. So I said, well, why don't you do it? I'll just give you a couple bucks. You can manage it and whatever, whatever. And sure enough, there's a whole new fucking group of people that hit me up now from that that have I've never, I've never heard of you. I don't know who the fuck you are because they're 19 or 20. Right. And it's fascinating because they're like, yeah, I didn't even know you're a stand-up. I think I've seen you on a thing, but I didn't know you did stand-up. And you, I find as I go on that I'm like, well, these things just give us resonance and new audiences, right? Like Chip just opens you up to new shit that someone may not, like my dad the other day, my fucking dad, you know, I called him up and he's, you know, so old school and the internet's so foreign to him, but he's like, uh, yeah, you ever seen these uh, fucking prank videos of people that like on YouTube? And I'm like, yeah, there's, yeah, I know. Yes, I know those. And he goes, dude, I'm with this black guy, Tyrone. I'm following him. He's fucking hilarious. You know, it's like something from 15 years ago my dad's catching on to now. But I'm like, yeah, this is with every category of comedy is finding new little audiences doing what you do organically, but putting it out to more areas, you know? Because there's got to be somebody that finds Chip that may not know Jim And then they find you and go, fuck, I love this too. You know what I mean? Chip has been, the the
0: original, Anthony shot the video. It's uh, where Chip is in the back and he, it was an old, like Chip has evolved into what it is now. But, you know, back then when I was only doing it on the air once in a while, um, it was was kind of a stupider, like not as aggressive. And I couldn't do that for an hour. It it was like, literally, I felt, like a, it was too idiotic to hold an an hour podcast with. Right. But it was it was called Chip ruins the mood, and it was me uh, doing some some joke in the back uh, when we were being driven to a hotel, and it bombed. And it wound up going out to World Star Hip Hop, <laughs> and uh, recently it was on TikTok. Someone reposted it from like ten, it's like ten years old, and it got like three million views on TikTok. Yeah. And it is weird how this shit comes back. I've never posted it. It was Anthony's video. His original video got a couple million views and it's been, it's hit different places and got millions of views. I've never posted it. So yeah, you're yeah. right. That's the type of stuff that kind of people see it when you're not expecting them to see it.
1: It It's, uh, it's just, it's just wild to be, to see how many more like new people that thing touches. And also because, um, you know, the thing that I'm learning too is like the more people I meet in stand up that I didn't know before that the more I see how many more people are in it that I don't know that are on the come up and all that stuff, it's reaching, new audience members at different levels now, you know, like people that just do TikTok now or that just do Instagram videos and they get famous from that shit. Like you, you took We have a mutual friend, um, Kelsey Cook that used to go out with you on the road. I love Kelsey. Yeah. Yeah. She's the fucking best. And, uh, but, oh, by the way, have you ever played her in foosball? We might have. Yes. Cause I know how great she is. And I think on the road,
0: we did try it, but I suck at foosball yeah. against anybody. So I knew I would get massacred by her, but it was more like we both knew it was going to happen. It was just fun to watch her do it. She's great at it.
1: Yeah, it's like a, watch, to watch her embarrass him. She asked, she's asked me three times to do before the pandemic. She was like, come on the show, come on the show. And I was like, I'm going to. But genuinely, I was like, I just I know I'm going to get fucking beat and be embarrassed. Yeah. And the only way is to just laugh it off and go, yeah, no, it's fun. But I'm such a competitive asshole that inside I'm like, I don't want to fucking lose this thing this bad. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter who it is. It's like, I don't want to get whooped on fucking, t- you know, on YouTube because, it, because I know she's so good going into it with any sense of confidence would just be like, what a foolish fucking endeavor. But I, that's what I was curious with. You guys went out on the road. if you ever, if she ever took you and took you out and was showed, showed off her skills?
0: Yeah, I think she did, but I think I said, I would like to try it. Um, I hate football, So just to do it with someone who I only played her because she's Kelsey and she's so good at it. Um, you know, but it's a weird skill. That's why I love it. It's such a bizarre. It's like being like, hey, like, what are you good at? Well, I'm really good at putting fruit on a hat. Like, you know, it's just some bizarre <laughs> skill that almost nobody you know has. Like, she's the only person I know who plays foosball either poorly or well. I don't know right. anybody else who plays it other than the occasional thing in a bar. And she just happens to be. But it's also one of those things where you can stand out doing that. Like, because yeah. she's a funny comic and,
1: and and she's a very likable person and a good personality. You can actually do something with that cuz no one else is doing it. Yeah, no, I feel well, I feel like there's a ton of comics that have little secret skills that they don't really divulge to people unless they're it's someone on their inside circle, unless it's like her where it's it's something to brag about. Do you got a little thing that you don't really talk about that you're good at? No.
0: I mean, no, I, I actually do, I know, I exaggerate <laughs> things I'm bad at and pretend I'm okay at them. No, right. if, if I was good at something, uh, uh, you would have heard about it fucking in, in 1994, I would have talked
1: about <laughs> it. <laughs> well, because I like, I, I like keep, I like for some reason, I'm, I'm super open about certain things and then super private about others. Like I, I'm a huge, I'm an avid golfer. I fucking love golf. I never talk about it. I, I play by myself. I played by myself yesterday. I play by myself. I don't really talk about it. It's one of those things where it doesn't, in my old head, when you, when you first start a comedy, you get into this world of like well i don't want to mention anything that other comics could a make fun of sure. and and b it could be like a uh a, a, put me in a category somehow you want to you almost like want to stay open enough to be like i'm just funny that's all you know me as yeah and so oddly enough i feel like a lot of comics at least in la do this they hide they hide all their uh all their successes anyway like no one wants to see you in a nice car so you hide it from people or no one wants to know where you live so you're like ah, yeah but at some point you start admitting that you're okay with it. Like now I don't give a fuck. People know that I do rich white guy shit. Like I want to join a country club and golf. I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm over it. Yeah, like I worked sure. hard. I want, to, I want to do it. But I used to be so embarrassed to be like, yeah, I want, to, I want to golf at a country club every day. I used to be so self-conscious. Now I'm like, I, I don't fucking, why do I care? Why would I give a fuck what other people think?
0: yeah I would only, I would love to golf at a company, a country club just because it's exclusive like yeah just because that would make people nauseous to hear it that's why I would love to do it like I, I don't you know, I like chess I mean I love chess I have a, a, a kind of an obsession with chess players uh, I've been playing my whole life um I'm not great at it like I, I'll never be great like I, right. I'm always going to be good. Um, and I'm an average player. You know James Altucher. Um, yeah. Love. yeah, yeah. He and I—I I know him since fourth grade. We went to school together when I was a kid. Oh, shit. And I remember what a great player he used to murder me at chess as a as a as a, as a child. So uh, I'll never be a great player. Like I'll, right. I'll never be as good at 51 as he probably was
1: when he was 15. Do you guys, you guys, were you guys friend friends as kids, or were you just other? Well, we went each to school together? We
0: yeah, were in grammar school together, and I I know James my my whole life. I mean, or uh, again since fourth grade. Um, He's a really really interesting guy, but I remember that was one my thing that I remember about James is he was such a he was always an interesting guy, um, and, and him being a great chess player. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. He's I admire, fa- but I'm he's fascinated by those guys. He's fascinating, man. Following him is uh, following him online. It's it makes me go uh, whenever I post like a a, a, f- a fucking fart choke and I read like I read what he wrote, and I'm like, yeah, that's why. He's a genius, and I get paid to be a jagoff. You know what I mean? Like when you write something stupid on Twitter that you think is fun, then you see someone write something funny and profound, but also have like keen perspective, like he does. It's it's almost infuriating because I'm like, oh god, that's what Twitter's for for someone like that, not for me to write a fucking a, a dick joke again on Twitter for the thousandth fucking time. You know?
0: Yeah, he's a really interesting guy, and his po- I've done his podcast a couple of times, and he actually had become to stand up New York, which he is now the co owner of. Yeah. And because uh, he was interviewing Gary Kasparov, who I kind of wanted to meet for the last 20 years, um, who was a chess uh, world champion at one point. And so James introduced me to him and the Riza. It was a really weird combination. <laughs> I guess what? the Riza is a, a chess uh, player. And apparently, he is. this is good. He yeah. is, right? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. I think he wanted to play Kasparov, but Kasparov wouldn't play him, of course. I
1: mean, he's, you know,
0: yeah. it, it, he's, 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 I guess when you're on that level, it's boring to
1: play anybody who's not on a certain does Michael Jordan want to go play one-on-one in the park? You know, it's That's like, exactly what it's like. Yeah. What a fucking waste of time that would be. Did you it get, would be. Did you get sucked into this uh, Jordan documentary like the rest of the world or you didn't give a fuck?
0: No. Well, kind of both. I mean, I didn't give a fuck and then I'm like four episodes in and I really like it. Like, yeah, I'm not obsessed with it and I never liked Jordan because I remember that Lakers, uh, when I did watch basketball, I remember that fucking game one win and then four straight sweep. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I never liked Jordan, but uh, the documentary is really good and uh, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm just, I can't, I can't binge it the way I can something
1: else. Right. Well, I'm, as a Chicago kid, for me, it was like, uh, Oh yeah. you know, the thing I, the thing I loved anyway, but I fell out of love with basketball kind of around that, after that era. I didn't really like, uh, what's your sport of choice now? I watch UFC and that's like the only thing I watch. Really? That's it, huh? Came from interviewing athletes. Like, you know, it's funny,
0: Joe back in like 2005 would bring guys to the ultimate fighter on the show. So we always had exposure to it. But I think from the, when we started interviewing them, and I was was like, fuck me, like I like these guys so much. They're all so humble and they were, they're murderers, but they're (laughs) nice guys. Like Liddell, I think was the first big name fighter I ever interviewed and he couldn't have been nicer. I'm like, this guy's a killer and he's friendly and he's got like basketball players, baseball players half the times they're dicks. Like they don't want to talk to fans. And these guys are all amazing and, and nice and humble. So I kind of fell in love with the mentality of these fighters. So I started watching the sport. What
1: do you think that is? You think that's a cultural thing that a lot of times these basketball players or football players or baseball players, that it's culturally cool to not be cool sometimes in those scenarios. Like, do you think it's a cultural thing that's taken over? Cause I, I feel like it never used to be that way. When I was a kid, even though it's always been a forced hand for these guys to do press conferences, a lot of time they just sucked it up and they did all the right things. Now it's almost like it's cooler to do the Marshawn Lynch thing, where you're like, "Thanks for asking, I'm not going to answer." You know, it's almost like a, yeah, it's almost well more well, well respected to just tell the media to go fuck themselves. I mean, I don't, I don't. Why is it that UFC guys tend to be more? They're just they're oddly more polite for some reason when it comes to these interviews. I don't know why. Well, part part a couple reasons that
0: my guess. One, and again, I have to credit Joe with this observation, is he said that they're they're like stand-ups in a way where, and this is his observation, is that because Comedians Bomb, he said that these guys get tapped in the gym all the time. Like they're always, you're getting put in an arm bar, or you're sparring and a guy's choking you, or a guy's pretty. So there's always some reason where a guy's making you tap, or a guy's get a better position than you. So he said you're always being humbled. right? So you kind of remain a little bit more grounded. Um, and I also think a part of it is that, you know, shit rolls downhill, and Dana is like that. Like, Dana talks to people. Dana will always stop for fans. Um, he never seems... Like, you wouldn't know that Dana's got $400 million. when you, you know what I mean? Mm. So, he acts like a regular dude. He talks to fans. He's always cool to stop and take a picture. So, I think that they see that, and it's kind of hard for them to be dicks when the head of the company is, is
1: cool. That's true. I mean, it's, yeah, when the faces of it are like that. I mean, when I've gone out with Joe uh, and we've gone to do, you know, he taken me to UFC with him and it is wild to sit there and watch how, um, how ch- kind of chummy it is for lack of a better term. Like yeah. Dana will come around. We would go to the gym together, me, Joe and Dana and work out and talk shit. And it sounds disgusting to say it, but like, he just treated me like a peer. I'm still a human being. Of course you want, you would think so, but at a higher level, I'm sure, you know, uh, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, isn't going to, fucking want to talk to me. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, what do you do? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a stand up who tours and I do podcasts. He's like, okay, great. I, I got to go. This is yeah. fucking, <laughs> I'm not going to waste my time on some six, one white podcast comedian kid. Fuck out of here. <laughs> no. So I just feel like the, the culture is very like, um, friendly and it's, it's extremely like, and granted I do have Joe as my ticket into those things. So that's a different perspective, but yeah, for some reason, all those guys are there, they've that you, you could be right. It's like, they get that, they feel that denial, that that shitstorm, that comics feel of being in a fucking Motel 6 after doing five shows and getting paid a quarter of what you thought you were going to make at the beginning of your career and yeah. knowing you're going to have to drive another 12 hours to get back from fucking Nevada. I think those things are kind of like getting tapped out or getting, quite frankly, getting your, the shit beat out of you too. I'm sure when they take a fucking loss, that yeah. does something for the head too. You know, the Not the physical, exo- but the mental wave. I mean, you, you've been in a fight when you were a kid. When you lose, it sticks with you for like... Four days. <laughs> like you you keep replaying it in your head over and over, you know? Like do you remember your do you remember the first time you got fucking beat up? You know, I remember
0: I forget my last the last real fight I had, I was probably I was still a kid, like in grammar yeah. school. Um and I remember I don't remember if I won or lost. Um, I don't remember. I just remember I, I probably lost. And the guy the kid who beat me, I went up shooting himself years later. Um, well, so you won, you won in That's, the long yeah. run. Yeah. He was a, he was a buddy of mine. I really liked him, but we would fight like he was kind of crazy. Yeah. And, uh, I just, I hated the, the, it wasn't even being beaten up that I was scared of. It was the embarrassment of being beaten up. Yes. Like it was the, the humiliation. I don't think it was being punched. It was just the, I don't know the anticipation of being punched much more than the actual
1: punch. Right. The physical hits uh, for some reason goes away once you're in the middle of it. It's yeah. this, it's, uh, you also realize, and I've had, and I've had talks with, uh, a few UFC fighters that say the same thing that like, if, if a fighter says that he's never been scared, that he's a liar. Like everyone has yeah. the same instinctual thing where they're excited. Maybe they're, they're more adapt to it than you and I, but they're all still a little bit nervous slash scared slash anxious to like get it going. Cause the physical violence, I don't think is as scary as all the other fucking things that go into it. You know, like, I like, uh, yeah. I was always in a fight for me, and I probably last couple of fights were in college because I was a bonehead and hung with fucking idiots that always wanted to get in trouble. But the last couple of fights made me realize how bad I didn't want to fight because the aftermath, even if like I didn't lose or get punched that many times, I always felt like such a loser. Like I always felt like a fucking like who was Who, who was that for? Well, you know what I mean. Like, and it was always over some bullshit. It's usually either a girl or you said something to me drunk. I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's any other reason that people fight outside a professional fight. It's just like yes. drunk or a girl. That's uh, There is no other reason, you know? Or, or road rage is a big one. Sure.
0: And I watch so many of these videos where guys get shot or one punch and dead where a guy gets hit and he, and, and he cracks his head on like on the thing that keeps your car from rolling at the end of a parking space. Right. And all these random ways and that kind of makes you, when you see enough of that shit, you're like, that's how it happens. Like, right. you don't always get punched and get up. A lot of times, like, who the fuck wants to eat through a straw for eight weeks? Uh, who wants to fall and have their teeth knocked out on a curb by some stupid... Like, I'm 51 fucking years old. I've made it this long and I can still walk and and, and shit. Like, I you know, I don't want to wind <laughs> up uh, in a wheelchair or, right. or, you know, cracking my neck because... Uh, you know, I mouthed off to some fucking giant Russian. It's like, it's stupid. And at this age, I'm just like, self-preservation is more important than-
1: Oh, of course. of course. Well, also that's what that, you know, when they show in health class for kids, they show them like the worst STDs, or you know what I mean? Like they show them like the worst of the worst of the worst to try to thwart them from having sex. They should do a, and also an instructional video for just for boys, testosterone levels to go, you want to get into a fight? Watch a guy get his head cracked on the fucking curb and then think about getting into a fight at school. Because for us- there were people fought at school constantly in fact i'll never forget one time at lunch uh uh i see a you know the 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 cafeteria everyone stands up and they're yelling i'm like oh shit there's a fight and i stand up and we can't really see but we see a guy's arms like this just going down you know in a sea of people like he's punching down punching punching and then a teacher comes and kind of chokes his neck and pulls him off and then grabs another person they pull him up and it was a girl. Wow! I was like, holy shit! He was kicking a girl's ass. He was beating the shit out of her, man. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck happened. It, they were great above us, but I was. I was, he, This dude was hay throwing haymakers down. They pulled up in this chick, and she was fine. She was still yelling at him and shit. I was like, yeah. holy fuck, what did she
0: say? Like, That's what? always amazing to me when you see somebody like a lot of times these videos, just the opposite of what I just said. Like somebody is getting fucking wailed on. And then at the end, they split it up and and then they're like, all right. And they walk away and you're like, Jesus Christ, that would have that killed me. That yeah. would have killed me. And this yeah. guy just took it in the street and put his fucking hat back on. So, yeah, it can go either way. yeah um, But I, I watch so many of those crazy like accident videos, it does fuck with you. It oh, does fuck with you.
1: Do, do you get into these uh, YouTube rabbit holes? Uh, now the pandemic has made me watch more YouTube bullshit than I think I've ever watched in my entire life. And I'll find one fucking thing and I'll get sucked in it for like three hours. And then my wife is like, you've been watching these kind of fucking whatever video. Like I watched this kid, uh, um, uh, this Logan Paul kid—you know who this is? You know, yes. Yeah. Sure. And I too. got sucked into his like YouTube world of friends and all that stuff, and then his buddy's girlfriend, and she's a porn star, and then that, and I kept falling down this rabbit hole, and I find how how easy and quick it is to get like obsessive about wanting to know what's going on with these people. Do you fall into these fucking holes, dude? I I was I fell down a rabbit hole when Toddy
0: Westbrook—I think her name was. And James, what was the, I I forget the kid's name. It was like these two YouTubers, like makeup people. And, uh, you know, he's got like 15 million followers and she's got like 9 million. And she's like, he was a bad friend. And she's like in her late 30s or something. And he was a teenager and and they were doing a follower count, like how he was losing millions of followers and she was gaining millions of followers. It was so fucking crazy. It was fascinating to watch how fast people turned. Let me see what his, uh, I can't remember his name, uh, but it was really uh, uh, James Charles. And I I went down this rabbit hole watching these two people who I'd never heard of. Right. Watching this fight and then watching the reaction to it. Somebody actually started a channel – which had an updated count of both of their YouTube followers. Like people were just loving watching him lose like you know, seven
1: hundred thousand followers in a day. It was crazy. Well, that's all that they want. they want to see you fall. I mean, people love to raise you up, but at some point they can't fucking wait for you to fall. you know, they're like so excited for you to slide down that hill on the other side. But that's what it is. It's like I find myself watching stuff like the like you watching them. I don't even know if you like them. I don't even really li- I didn't really like anything about. Those videos I was watching, but I couldn't stop fucking watching them. I was like, I was obsessed. I was obsessed with being annoyed. I was obsessed with being confused. Like, for I've never had anything like if it's a TV show and I'm not that interested, it's off. I'm done. I'll tune right the fuck out. But for some reason, with YouTube videos, I can just go. Let me jump to the next one and see and see what that's about. I've never done that with a TV show.
0: Well, YouTube is different though because it's a TV show. You can't just punch in anything you want to see and have a video on it. Like I I go down these really weird, these treks where I'll start watching things on on like hornets and fucking bee nest removal. And then you see these guys in the South who remove honeybee nests uh, with their bare hands and a little smoke and they don't give a fuck. And it's crazy to watch a guy Removing a bee's nest with just a little bit of smoke in his bare hands. Yeah. So I can go on and watch those for hours or a yellow jacket nest removal. So you can't do that on TV. You can't just go, fuck it. I wanna see this weird thing. Right. I wanna see a Japanese hornet. I wanna see a Japanese hornet and uh, how they catch it. And then you go and find Japanese hornets being trapped in in fucking honey glue traps, and that's, then,
1: that's the difference. And then five videos talking about that video. That's another thing. People are just like they'll watch the video with you and also comment about it. Now watch somebody commenting about a fucking video I just watched. That's how like insane that becomes. My, yeah. uh, you you just reminded me when I was uh when I was a kid. My grandfather used to. We'd go down my my grandfather's in North Carolina. I mean, gone now, but. They had a, a small little farm, but he had, he loved honeybees and he was obsessed with having bees and he, his, 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 his bee farm grew larger, larger, larger. He would walk out there. He would put me in like a fucking hazmat suit and he'd walk out there with just long sleeve shirt and and jeans, even if it was the dead of the summer, just to make sure no skin was exposed. And just like a little bit of a, a little bit of face covering and nothing else, no gloves. And he'd go right into it and fuck with them and never get stung. N- not once. Would he wild. smoke
0: them first? Like, that smoke helps, right?
1: Yeah, a little bit. But even still, he he claimed that they they can they no sense they can uh, they smell you, they can smell a familiar scent, and if it's a non threatening scent to the colony, they don't they don't start to sting for some reason. But I was like, really? Is that an old grandpa thing? Where's like they smell me? You know what I mean? Like they know who I am? Like I I don't know if that was bullshit. But he would just say that they recognize familiar scents. So he wouldn't get stung. But he'd go in there with, you know, nothing on his hands, barely anything covering up his neck, just to, over his eyes, I think, was around his eyes. That was, like, almost the only thing he had. And I was, so, as a kid, I was so fucking panicked. And he would try to push me closer to get near it, at, you know, like, to stop being a pussy. You know, like, come on, get in, again. I would freak out and just to watch him not get stung. to be all over his arm, all over his neck, by his shirt. He'd flick his shirt just to get one, like, crawling down his shirt.
0: Isn't it crazy the lack of uh, the lack of fear is so because bees terrify me so I'll just watch people handling them and and not being afraid and t- there was one video I used to watch this guy would pet hornets he would he would literally he had dirty fingernails and it would you'd see his fucking little it was like almost like a pedophile hand just kind of creeping into the thing <laughs> you're like I'm the fucking so I'm petting a wasp petting a hornet. Um, guys that would feed hornets by putting honey on their fingers and standing outside a tree where a hornet nest was. And these guys are just, they don't give a fuck. And the hornet's landing on them and fucking eating the honey and then take it off. (laughs) Like I I would have such a panic attack. So these
1: these are people that, this is the great part of the internet is you can watch people like this and that they do exist. Have you ever seen the one where people make small food? I just saw this. They make tiny food for little, like for like hamsters or gerbils. Or something. They'll make like a real meal, a, a, a meal that you would eat, and they get it down to like one one hundredth of the size. They no. make, like, dude, look it up. Like little pancakes, like little tacos. <laughs> it's the it's so fucking weird, and they feed it to like you know little hamsters or a tiny little animal that they have. But they'll set it up so it's like a legit. Meat, like a little mini dinner plate, a little taco, a little bit of beans, a little bit of rice, and and the hamster will fucking eat it like it's a full meal. It's a it's like such an odd obsession. Oh, dude, it's so fucking weird. That's the kind of stuff where my wife is like, "Go run, go get outside, and go fucking do something." Because I'm I'm getting so fu- I'm get, I'm not gonna lie. I know people are like, "Oh, boring people are bored." I've been getting bored because I after I do the podcast and after I've been writing for a little bit, I don't know where else to go. I mean, you guys, you're you're in New York, right? You're stuck in New yeah. York. Have you do you feel like you wanna get like start to get out and leave? Cause I know a lot of guys took off already and they're either on either renting a place somewhere just to get out of New York or they're just trying to start the tour. Are you just gonna stick it out in New York? You're not going anywhere? No,
0: I bounced around, I've gone upstate like just to get out of town for a couple of days and write and get my head. Like it, it helps a lot. And I've been doing this thing where I leave, I've been doing this the whole time, is where I'm leaving my house. And going to supermarkets like, you know, 35 minutes from me, 40 minutes from me just to go somewhere different, just mm. to feel like I have a destination. Um, and now little things are starting to open slowly. So, we're kind of getting there. You know, it's it yeah. sucks, but I think that we're, as they say, on the other side of it. So, I don't know when gigs will come back. And like you said earlier, having this is fucking great. Yeah. This is going to be around for a long time. Like, I, you know, it's serious. We're not going to be back physically in the studio probably till after Labor Day because there's no need for us to do We can do our show from home, Sam, right. me, and the crew, and you don't have to worry about anybody getting onto an elevator with somebody sick. So it's not hurting anything. In here, we pour whiskey. Whiskey,
1: whiskey Ginger fans, if you're like me, you like to drink at a souse, you like to get soused up. Well, guess what? I have the solution to your next day hangover. DHM detox is the cure. It's a little tiny pill. You take a couple of these pills the night before. You can take them while you're drinking. You could take them during or after. Take them all the time. Just take the pills all the time, but they are hangover cures. Um, A lot of times, people think your hangover is due to the fact that you're dehydrated. That's part of it, right? But it's it's more that this wasted body of yours uh, is getting rid of all of its major nutrients and vitamins, and DHM Detox does just that. Take care of your body, man. Whether you have a few drinks or you're uh, going full bored trying to get trash, dude. No days wasted, man. Enjoy your drinks without the nausea and the headaches of the next day. It's a science to boost your body's natural response to alcohol and break down all those toxins. Uh, The key ingredient is a plant extract. It's uh, from Asia for centuries. They've been using it. Uh, It's from the tree of the gods, man. Take two capsules. Let it go to work. Enjoy your drink. Uh, There's free shipping right now. Don't you want to feel better the next day after you drink? You got to take these pills. It's a risk free purchase. If you don't like it, just uh, let them know they give you your money back. How easy is that? Right now you can get twenty percent off your order. Head over to dhmdetox.com. Use the promo code whiskey at checkout. That's dhmdetox dot If you have any questions, message them on Instagram. Let them know twenty percent off your order. It's totally worth it. Use the promo code whiskey. Drink it and don't have a hangover. Ginger, I like ginger. Right. Well, down here it's been a f- the, the, the 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 difference has been f- huge. Of where are you in LA? I'm, I'm, I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah, but it, it, from here compared to here to like, uh, you know, Orange County, it's like the, the, the two worlds are so far apart, but they're only, you know, 30, mi- 20 miles from us. They don't give a fuck. Everything's reopened. And it's weird because LA County, the opposite. Most people here are still kind of on this panic mode theory. Most people are, most people wear masks constantly everywhere, not just like in a store, but just walking down the street. But you go down to Orange County, dude. Mm -mm. It's like a time machine It's like nothing ever happened It's crazy Yeah It
0: is crazy how like Westchester is opening up too Which is about 30 minutes north of us It's where Sam lives Manhattan's not going to open up for a while Not going to start until early June But yeah 20 minutes away Half hour away And everything is kind of back to normal so uh, I'm, I'm glad, too. I'm getting crazy. I forget, but I'm like, ah, it's a little soon. But then I'm like, we've been for fucking 11 weeks. We've been stuck like this. It's a yeah. long fucking time. Do you know anyone that got, I got sick? sick? Oh, yeah. Uh, a friend of mine got sick, and she was pretty healthy. Um, and she told me it was the worst thing ever. She said wow. it was horrendous, like really bad. Um, she immobilized for a while, extremely sick, couldn't smell, couldn't taste. And then I talked to a couple other friends who had it. Mild symptoms, some not you know what I mean i I talked to a few people that kind of had it on all levels, but I don't know anybody who died.
1: yeah, no me we don't know any either. well, we had a, we had a family friend, a young college kid who was a water polo player like in phenomenal shape, you know these fucking kids. it's unbelievable the way he he called his mother and was like, "Yeah, I can't taste anything, I can't smell anything, and she was like, "Oh my God, this is kind of before that thing leaked out about that being symptoms, and uh um and, but he had no fever and nothing. He just couldn't taste or smell anything for like a week and then it was gone. Wow. I was like, I, I, yeah, it was super weird. Nothing no fever, no no like headache, none of that shit. He just couldn't smell or taste so they panicked. You know, they called they called their family physician and this was before that thing got out and then when he went in you know, lo and behold, you know, got tested and he tested positive for it. So they told him to quarantine, but he quarantined. He said he didn't feel, didn't, not even not even an inch of his body felt sick. It was like not even affected at all. And I don't know if it's because of his athletic schedule of working out fucking all day, every day, that his health level was just so dominant that it beat the disease but or the virus. But either way, I thought that was fucking fascinating. Like, it just attacks certain things to certain people. Like there, there are certain people that don't lose any of that stuff and they just have crazy headaches and they can't go to sleep at night. That kind of shit fucks me up that I'm thinking, thank God I didn't get it. I was in Philly. Dude, I was in Philly the week before the country closed down and I shook everyone's hand. <laughs> I, did, I did a meet and greet after all four shows, sold out, shook everyone's hand, took photos. I did like all the things that I normally do and I didn't think anything of it. And I guess I'm, I'm lucky then that I didn't get clipped early in February, whatever it was.
0: I wonder if I was sick because everyone now we're going back over. I was sneezing in January and we're all hoping right. we had it and got away with it. Right. But I was extremely sick. I was in Italy for the holiday and then I came back at the end of January. I was like, really? Like I was coughing up blood in the morning. I was fucked. I thought I had cancer. And I wound up going and I'm like, no, no, I think they say it was bronchitis, but I thought I might have walking pneumonia. Like it was fucking horrendous. So I'm going to get tested. I'm hoping I had it already and I'm done with yeah. it. Uh, but it was probably just a bad case of bronchitis. Like, it's you, fun to watch everybody going back down and fishing, fishing, right. thinking, I, I had it, I'm done with it, but I, I probably just had bronchitis. You're coughing up but Have you ever coughed up blood before? No. Um, and I talked to my doctor, a friend of mine who's a doctor, and he said it could just be because it's a very harsh cough. And I took like some steroids for it and it stopped. Like whatever it was went away. And um, I got chest x-rays and everything. Um, Did you ever smoke? Check. No, I quit in 2001. Um, yeah, and and I checked it, and uh, it went away as soon as I took the steroids, and the inflammation went down. Um, it was fine, and then the and the bronchitis went away, and I was good.
1: That's like uh, you know, when people say they're like, oh, I think I already had it. Like I'm fine. It's just it's like, first of all, you don't fucking you have we have no idea if you had it unless you got tested for it. But people say that it's like when Trump is like, I'm I'm as healthy as I could. They, they went to the doctor, said I'm super healthy. You're like, okay, are you, sure? are you sure? Are you fucking, you sure you don't look like the pinnacle? Like my dad, my father smoked for shit, I don't know, 40 years, you know? And uh, he goes into the doctor and he plays this game with me where he's like, yeah, no, no. I'm like, you know, I've been getting checked out because he had polyps and all this stuff. He's like, no, yeah, the doctor said, "Uh, totally fine. Yeah, nothing. He said, I got healthy lungs like a 25-year-old kid. I was like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Like, really? Because he's trying to give me this assurance that, like, you know, he's not at risk. Because I was like, you're really at risk, man. You smoke for 40 fucking years. He's still, you know, he's still, yeah, he quit, but he's done that dance, you know, that, like, quit, start, quit, start, gum, patch, you know, fucking, did you go through a myriad of things before you quit or did you cold, you colded it?
0: I had a really weird moment of clarity and I had one more cigarette. It was when I was on the Opie and Anthony show. It was in 2001, December 7th of 2001. And I wound up smoking a, my last parliament. It was at WNEW in New York. And I went down to the comedy cellar that night. I had sets and um, Esty. do you know Esty, who runs the comedy yeah. cellar? Yeah. And I, she had quit smoking and I was like, yeah, I'm trying to quit. And you can still smoke in the cellar at that time. And she goes, come with me. And she took me and she walked me down to Bleecker. And, and walked me into a CVS and, and helped me, uh, show me what the patch. She's like, you really? got to do the patch. So I did the fucking patch. I did the whole program. Craved. I was crying. Me and Colin, me and Colin quit, had an argument like two weeks after I quit. And I was sitting at the bar crying. Like I was such a fucking disaster. It was like <laughs> detoxing from a fucking drug. Right. Like, dude, I was such a mess. And um, the patch, I was getting the nicotine. So I had to keep going. What am I craving? 'Cause I'm getting the nicotine. So yes. I realized it was the whole oral fixation and right. I got fat too. I got really fucking fat uh after a while. I put on like twenty five pounds.
1: Yeah, but you rather twenty five pounds and keep fucking smoking. It's easier I'm to do Dude, can you hold on one second, Andrew? I'm gonna grab a yeah. pitcher of water. Right here. I'm dying. Yeah, do it.
0: Yeah, so so SD really helped me and I just never smoked again. And uh
1: it's weird. Do do you ever smoke? You know, I smoked on and off for a little bit. Um everyone in my family smokes. I feel like growing up, everyone I knew smoked or either quit or 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 was going through the cycle. So I smoked for a little while and then uh I quit. And then I honestly about four or five years ago, I started again a little bit and then quit again, Uh which was nice. No, but I'm i I'm I'm fine now. But I will say I liked it so much in my high school, college years that sometimes once in a while I do grab a, a pack of cigarettes and I'll smoke them. I'm not going to lie. I used to try to cover it up and all that stuff and I was embarrassed about it. But yeah, it sucks. Once in a great while, I just grab it just because I kind of miss it or I want. I think it's also that comedic mentality of like, I'm a look, I'm a drinker. I love drinking. I keep it under control. But we all kind of want something to fucking alter the brain, whatever it is. You know, everyone's got that. own. yeah. Yes. I don't know. You know, I think it, a lot of comedians have an addictive personality as well. And so you find whatever the thing is. And once in a while, when I get in a rut, I'd like to grab a pack of cigarettes because it helps me kind of focus on something else other than whatever's going on in my mind. So I haven't done it in a while. Yeah. I but- envy
0: your ability to do that, man. I, I envy your ability to fucking do it a little bit. Like, I, I can't. Like, I'm such a fucking, I'm all or nothing and uh, I enjoyed it, you know. But the older I get, like I'm so happy I quit almost right. 20 years ago because I'm like, yeah, your lungs probably came back, and I, I, how old I would look so much older right now. It fucks your face up. Like I'm yeah. just, I try to be like, the vanity is kind of what keeps me away from it too
1: you don't want to be like uh Nick DiPaolo and start at 45 or whatever the fuck it was. Did he Nick start late? That's funny. I don't know. He started really. Yeah. He's like, he picked up smoking when he, when he was in his late forties. I think that's so fucking funny. It's like, you made it that far in life, but you're like, yeah, fuck it. I'll just go backwards. I'll start all over again. No, I have my, my, my vice tends to be, uh, my, vi- my vice tends to be booze. Booze for me is I, I've, I've always been, it's, it's in my family. Everybody drinks in my family. And, uh it's hard for me to, it's not hard for me to control it, but it's hard to think that I'm not gonna have it. You, do you know what I mean by that? Like, I just enjoy it so much that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just a thing that's always been in my life. I mean, I, 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 uh, but I see so many friends getting sober. I have so many of my friends that are now getting sober and it's, it's weird. It's affecting me in a weird way. It's almost like everyone around you is sober. So no one has a drink anymore when they come over. So it makes me go, well, should I? fucking stop drinking I, you know i don't want to but i'm like should i i don't know it's it's really strange it's like if you have a lot of friends that become vegans or vegetarians you start eating their fucking meals and you're like i guess i should jump on this train it's not like it's an unhealthy thing i i don't know man it's it's really strange it's weird for
0: all your friends sorry all your yeah. friends are doing it. it it it's like a mirror like Well, if they were all fucked up and they decided they had to quit, maybe I should too, because they're all, if they, I'm in the same boat they are, and they obviously think they had a problem. So maybe, yeah, sometimes a bunch of people quitting something is just like, it's not as fun to do it alone anyway. Who wants to just sit there alone drinking fucking vodka at 11 o'clock at night? It just sucks.
1: No, it does. And, and, you know, like I've, I've learned to like, uh, I've learned to like make it so it's when I go out to the comedy club to not just have a drink every time because that became such an easy it's such an easy habit to just go right I'll just grab a drink. I'll just grab a drink, I'll just grab a drink. So now for me it's like, oh yeah, I'll only have a drink when I'm with somebody or, you know, at a party or at an event. Because it became it was wearing me thin on the road, especially. I mean, just in this last run, we were going out and drinking in every city. I knew somebody again, you know, on tour and I was like, Oh, we'll go out and go fucking drink and it just it does really they think it's your first weekend out. You know what I mean? Everyone out is like, let's go, let's go fuck around and party and go hang out all night. And you're like, dude, I just did this in four cities. I just did this. So it's like, it gets old, man. It does get old and I'm fucking boring on
0: the road, man. Like I used to always try to get laid and I stopped that years ago. It's just, it was too exhausting and it didn't work that often. And it was, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock. I would go home and just jerk off anyway. It's like, what am I doing? This sucks. So now I just kind of gave in to the fact that I'm boring. I'm on the road. I do the shows. I literally go right back to the hotel. I don't do a fucking thing when I'm on the road.
1: You don't go out to eat after a show?
0: Oh yeah. Maybe I'll go out to eat. Yeah, sure. If I have a, like, that's why it's important for me to have somebody on the road with me that I like, like Kelsey was a fun person to hang with. Like we would go out to eat and she was a cool person to, to to hang with and talk to. And like, you have to get along. It's just as important for me to like somebody's act as it is to, I I have to like them as a person because you're spending weekends with that person. You're driving from one city to another with that person. They gotta be somebody who hold a fucking conversation or who has an opinion on something, you know, you have to have somebody on the road who doesn't suck as a person, because you're gonna go crazy.
1: Yeah, otherwise it's a fucking nightmare. That's why I, I, uh, I, I bring I bring uh, my friend Chris O'Connor, who's uh, just moved to New York now. But he's because him and I get on so well that it's like shit. Even if he was bad at comedy, I still might ask him to come. I mean, he's great, but even if he sucked, I'd be like, ah, oh, he's such a fucking good hang. I don't really give a shit anymore. You know, it's it's one of those things where that's such an important. But I've learned to be more boring on the road. Like when I'm with him. And he's out trying to talk to girls and stuff. I I, I can play the wingman game, but I do have a, a limit. I used to not. I used to just do it and just keep playing along until the time came that, you know, either he's going to get laid or we're going to go somewhere else and whatever. Now I have like a 15 minute. If it's not fun, I'm like, I'm out of this fucking bar. Like, I'm gone. I'm like, if it's yeah. over, it's over for me. I don't feel like wasting that time of, you know, pretending to talk to this girl he's trying to fuck that I don't give a shit about again, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, or when you were trying to get laid on the road, you'd be in a place and there was all these local guys resentful that you were talking to somebody that they knew. And it was just, I don't miss any of it. Like, no. I really, you know what this is all, but the longer, I mean, you know, again, with, I think I got my first laptop in like 1999 or 2000 or 98 maybe. So the fact that you can now watch movies on the road, you have Netflix, there's more to do than there was when I first started. Yeah, you know, The first 10 years I was in the business, there was nothing to do on the road. You would just, you know, you would drive to the gig
1: and when you were done, go to a diner or try to get laid. That was it. Right. That's so funny. Yeah. To think that there's no fucking internet. Internet saved my life on the road. When you, when, when we're back up and moving again, are you going to be flying? Are you going to be afraid to fly? Like a lot of people are kind of nervous. Are you just going to go to drivable gigs?
0: You know, my first gigs back, I think is the Wilbur in Boston and uh, Foxwoods in Connecticut, back to back. So those will be driving probably early October. I'll start, but I'll fly. If I have to, I will. Um, By that point, like are we in, June now July August. If, if I if I can't get on a plane in four months yeah you know, I'm not that I'm not I'm not really a germaphobe but I'm just kind of being fucking careful um, but no yeah I'll fly
1: yeah same well I'm playing uh, you got to give me advice I'm playing the Wilbur for the first time in October and I'm f- crazy nervous about it. I'm also hoping that they'll open up those theaters again uh, to full capacity that's been my other thing is it going to be fucking seat space seat space I don't like I, I was curious how they're going to work that out but. I've never played it, but I want to play it so fucking bad. I'm excited. I'm, October's my first time and I'm nervous just because it's a little daunting. You know what I mean? It's like it's a big it's a big theater for my first time doing something like that in Boston.
0: It's a great game. I mean, Boston's my favorite market. It's one of those, um, and I, I haven't done the Wilbur in a few years because I shot, let's do specials, uh, two, two, two recent ones I shot were up in this place called um, Somerville Theater, mm-hmm. uh, which was right outside. It's the same market. And it's Boston people who I love in this old theater, uh, which is a movie theater. So I I was not burning that market. Um, His original room was called the Comedy Connection, which was fucking amazing. Like it was like a a box. It was a a square box with like four or 500 seats in it. A perfect comedy club. Yeah. Everything about it with the stage was centered perfectly. It was black. So there was no distracting nonsense. I mean that—that's one of the best places I've ever worked. Um, the Wilbur's the theater; it's it's nice, yeah. Um, and the crowds are awesome, but uh, you know it's hard to say anything. It'll ever be better than the Comedy Connection.
1: Was that was that your historically? Is that your favorite club that you ever played on the Come Up? Was was a Comedy Connection
0: one of them? I mean, you know, when you look at that or fucking uh, the uh, Stress Factory in New Jersey, I loved so much. Yeah. Uh, comedy Cellar, but that's not a headline club. So I guess just headline clubs. Stress Factory in New Jersey and uh, Comedy Connection might be two of my favorites.
1: Well, do you did you still do the factory or no?
0: Yeah, 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 I do. Because um, Vinnie, you know, like I remember, I remember Vinnie before he had that room. He was just a stand-up, and he was booking this place uh, called Poor Billy's. Vinnie was booking a place called Poor, which was like a fucking weird sports bar, giant sports bar that had comedy. And I remember I was booked to do it with Bobcat Goldthwait, and I was so excited to be working with a big celebrity. But then the L.A. riots broke out, and he couldn't fly out of Los Angeles. So I think I got to work with Charlie Barnett that week. You know who Charlie Barnett was?
1: I, I know the name. Yeah,
0: he was. Uh, he was a, a black comedian, and, and uh, he, he passed away of AIDS. He was, uh, I guess, he'd do drugs, but he was a uh, very, very funny dude. He did street comedy in fucking uh, in New York. He would like go to Washington Square Park and do all this, just no microphone. Uh, comedy and he's kind of a legendary guy. Uh, he's in a movie called DC Cab. If you've ever seen DC Cab,
1: no, no? I'm, gonna, no, I'm gonna watch it though. He was in that, but I, uh, so I was kind of thrilled to get to
0: work with him. Like I'm, I'm feel lucky that I got to work with him uh, once before he passed away.
1: Yeah, Vinny. I for the first time I did Stress Factories through Vinny uh, about a year and a half ago. Is when I started started doing Vinny's Club, and he's a funny dude. He he uh, <laughs> he did he did a bunch of time, and then. And then he, and then he brought up like a contest winner, like on a Thursday night, like one of the firefighters in town or something to do stand up, And he had a talk. He's like, you know, he's like, I'm sorry, not going to happen again. And I was like, it's fine. Just, you know, the firefighter doing 25 fucking minutes before the show. I know. Was Was this Connecticut or Jersey? That was Jersey. Yeah, I did. I did the other one too. I did Connecticut as well. What's the, the, what's the one it's in the bank, the one in the bank. It's an old bank. That's Connecticut, right? Am I wrong? Connecticut,
0: I think so. Jersey is the one downstairs. Um, it's a one level. You know, the, the Connecticut one has like a bit of a balcony.
1: That's right, 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 right. There was yeah. This one, there's no balcony. It's uh, down the street from the the church and all that shit. Yeah, I know that that was the Jersey one. Yeah, the Connecticut one. I did that one in a bank. It's like an old bank or something like that. It's really weird with like a with like a super vaulted ceiling. But yeah, no, Vinny. Vinny's a good egg. I like him. He's just, uh, he makes me laugh because he's, he's once you're a comedian, you're always a fucking comedian. I don't give a shit if you're a club owner. It's never going to leave, it like won't leave his system. You know what I mean? Like he has to do something performance art wise. And also he loves talking shit about other comics. That's like his favorite thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, And I I love Vinny. Like I know Vinny again since probably 1990. Oh, he's okay. He's all I know Vinny. Uh, Vinny is the one who told me that Kinnison died. That's how I found out Sam Kinslet. I went to Vinny's house and we were going to do something. He lived down the street from me. um, And he's the one who told me. So whatever that was, um, I've known him kind of uh, since then. He he was just a road guy booking like that, uh, this place called Arbidjons and that place called Poor Billy's. I think he had another stress factory before this one. Like I remember the one, the one he has now has been at probably 25 years but for some reason I thought he had another location first my memory is going is
1: there is there a is there a club uh, across the country that you'll never ever play again because the experience was so dog shit yeah
0: um, the only one I can think of is off the hook in in Florida (laughs) because yeah here's why Um, you know I had four shows at a certain guarantee and I didn't sell very well so they're like look they would love to cut one of the shows on a Friday and I was like no problem Give me 75%. Like, I'll, I'll prorate it. I'm okay. Right. And they weren't that friendly. And at the end of it, like, the owner didn't even say, hey, man, thank you. Or, like, would be friendly. about." And it annoyed me so fucking much. It was like, I didn't contractually have to give you back any money. I was happy to do it. Right. I was okay doing it. I didn't want to steal from you. Like, I, it was fine. I wanted you to make money. And, hey, I didn't have a great weekend. It's awesome. The hotel you put me in had fucking ants in the little peanut. So what? Um, so that really fucking annoyed me. Um, but it was over the way he, he acted about it. Uh, like not coming out and just go, Hey man, I appreciate it. Look, I didn't need a, I, I didn't think I made a donation to a fucking children's hospital, but if somebody gives you back a quarter of the money with zero complaint, at least be cool about
1: it. That's a very cool fucking move. I got to tell you, you're b- a, a bolder man than I, I would have been like, fuck you. I'm keeping the fucking money. Just don't invite me back. I'm keeping the money. I don't give a yeah, shit.
0: If I would have known he was going to be a dick, I would have, And that was just one of those ones where you know, people didn't give a fuck about coming to see me. So. Right. it's a club, I've done a bunch like, you know, in side splitters, I've had amazing all sold out weekends. Last time I went down, it was good, but there was seats open on the late shows, but you know, I didn't give anything back because I've had great weekends there. It's just one of those weekends through where it's, eh, it's okay. Sure. Um, You know, but if it's a shit weekend, I'll I'll offer money back. I'll give money back to to a few clubs where I'm not selling crazy. Because you also don't want to fucking price yourself out. Like, they'll always have me back because I'm reasonable. Like, I I don't think that I'm going to fucking command Chappelle money. You know, um, if I sell great, you bonus me. If I sell terrible, I'll usually give a little bit back so they have a a good taste uh, for it, you know?
1: That's really not, I mean, that's a, that's a way of thinking that I think it's uh we should probably take some notes on. I just, I never think about it. I just, if, if I, it didn't sell well in a market, the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment, so overwhelming that I almost don't want to talk to anybody. I'm I just, I sit in the green room. I'm just polite to the, to the server. I'm nice. I overtip And then I just go back to the hotel with my tail between my legs. That's like, usually I just get embarrassed. I'm like, oh fuck, I, I fucked up. I don't know what happened. It's just weird. Uh, it's like a kid, you know, it's like a, it's, it's, you feel like a little kid again. Like you let down somebody and you know, like the staff doesn't give a shit as long as you're nice. But I, you know, I don't look them in the eye sometimes. Like, like I'm like, <laughs> they're when they're getting, they're putting their, when you see a fucking waiter on the late show, putting his fucking civilian clothes on and you're
0: like, <laughs> oh, I suck. I fucking suck, dude. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. It does hurt. It's really, it's really. And also the, 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 the biggest tell of all, if if a staff likes you regardless of how well you filling out rooms is if you can kind of catch this moment when a server is bringing a drink and they look up and they smile at a joke that they've, that you, they hear that makes my fucking heart glow. Like if I can catch their eye doing that, like laugh cause they, even though they heard, maybe they heard it last night and they laughed again or they're looking forward to it. I'll sit in the green room and like visually remember that fucking moment. I'll like loop it in my head, you know, to combat it against the guy who's sitting on the other side of the room on his phone, not not even looking at the stage, you know?
0: You know, it's funny. I've, I've done a lot of gigs with uh, with Attell, just, you know, at the Comedy Cellar, and we've done The Road together. And when you watch a guy like that, like Dave is so good to the staff. He's so generous with everybody. He's so giving of his time. And he's just, he's a really good dude. And I'm like, if this guy who's funnier than any of us, and if this guy can be such a fucking great dude, and, and, and be so generous with his time and be so giving to the, who the fuck am I? Yeah. Like if, 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 the, like really if, if a tell who who is, is, is more brilliant than anybody working, I think. And that's, you know, big deal. A comedian likes a tell what else is fucking new. But I mean, if a guy on that level of, of doing what, what we do can be nice to the staff, I would ever have no reason to be nice to them. Like who the fuck yeah. am I? You know, no, so that's, it's true. Watching a guy like that, I, I toured with him and. Brewer and we did and, and Burr for a while. It was called the uh, anti-social tour. And I remember we went to the uh, Pentagon and then we went and did this wounded warriors thing. It was me, Jim, Bill, and Dave. And watching Dave talk to these wounded soldiers. Um, the guys who had their arms blown off. And he was so comfortable and so fucking they loved him. Like he he was so great and, and giving. It was like you know, like that's the guy you want to be. Um yeah. and I'm not that guy. I'm not as I'm not as good as Dave. I'm just I really admire him.
1: Did you talk to any of the wounded warriors or no? I did but I
0: didn't know what to say like I felt like you know they don't want to see me like who the fuck am I Uh, but Dave was walking right up wow what happened how'd you lose your hand you know and they were happy to tell the stories Oh fuck me I was in Fallujah you know they just loved that somebody was just talking to them Um, so I just kind of stuck by him and you know kind of uh, fucking leeched off his great conversations
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you think we're going to see that again in our in the next couple of years that I like as I miss that idea of a great group of comics going on the road together and putting together either a special out of it or making a big tour. Because, you know, like, Chappelle and Rogan go out sometimes together, and I'm like, why isn't there a collection of guys again? Because I used to love that, like, the comedians of comedy, that idea of, like, a bunch of people getting together. I was like, why the fuck doesn't that happen more? Do you think it's just because guys now are getting big on their own and they just don't want to do that?
0: Yeah, and they don't need to as much, and you're coordinating four schedules. You got to... And again, Joe doesn't need... Uh, Dave to sell tickets and Dave doesn't need uh, Joe to sell tickets. So those guys are just going to join giant arenas, splitting the bill, like it half the pressure. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's like a fun gig for two giant comics to do. Um, I think when you're getting up there again, you have four people, four road, ma- four managers four. where uh, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot yeah. to coordinate the schedules and it's a lot, you're better off just splitting the money if you can. Um, You know, we had a a, a few different rotating because my agent kind of put the tour together. We had a few different guys. You know, Artie Lang did it. You know, Stanhope did a couple of them. Amy did a couple of them. And, you know, it was just, it was always four of us rotating. And um, I would love to do that again because it's fun to go out with your friends. Like you're hanging out with your friends. You're not making as much as you would, but you're also selling more tickets than I would. Right. Um, You know, I, I was selling more tickets because these three guys were on the show.
1: Who would you, right now, if you could go out with like a, you know, you and three other people, who would you go out with right now? Schedules aside, all that bullshit, if you could do- I would open
0: for Burr, Chappelle, and Rogan. (laughs) This way (laughs) I had zero ticket pressure. That's what I would do. I'd go up and host like the fucking little bitch boy MC that I was meant to be. (laughs) I would gladly go out for those fucking massive comics. You know, it's hard to say because like Voss is doing a cool tour. This Creeps With Kids tour with Bobby Kelly, Voss, Ron Bennington- um and uh, Jim Florentine, which is oh, a fucking killer tour. They're all so funny. That's the level I want to do. So, whoever wants to go out, like, yeah. um, I would love to do more stuff with Dave. Um, again, he doesn't need me to sell tickets. I need him more than he needs me to sell tickets. Um, you know, I've gone out with Stanhope and not often, but I love Doug, so I would, I would love to do stuff with him. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I know him for, I guess, fucking. We met at the Vale Comedy Festival before Aspen. And I've told that story a lot, but we, we shared a room. Um, and I remember how much he loved Mitch Hedberg. That was my first impression of Doug was that he just talked about Mitch Hedberg. Like that was the first time I heard a Hedberg was from, from, uh, from Doug, but he kept all his possessions on his bed. Like, I just love how nuts Doug is. (laughs) Um, and he's so brilliant and funny and, uh, he's, so he's a guy I would love to do. So,
1: well, I hope, uh, I hope those things come back because I fucking, I, I miss the idea of as a comic of being a fan of comedy my whole life, being a comic it's gotten so um individualized now people kind of go out we don't see each other as much anymore when the when the tours are heavy and i think the separation is so people are really you're out for your own shit which i understand this is the game that we're playing but i would love to see something like that so i'd kill i'd kill to see uh you'd be great on a tour like that like you and stan Hope, and tell would be fucking that would be fun to see man and come yeah, to man, la we did that
0: we we did a few of those uh I forget who the fourth comic was I might have done one with Dave, Doug, and Artie And, and me at the Borgata I think we did the, the four of us on, on one uh, What's the word? Uh, not ink Ink uh, I can't I, I would never know this word When something is born Not uh, when, it, when
1: it The, the incarnation. Uh, incarnation Incarnation Yeah
0: uh, Whatever word I'm looking for I can never grab that word when I need it um, But on one um, version of that tour
1: yeah, we. I did a show with Rogan at the Borgata and it was so fucked, people are so fucked up and out of their mind that a guy came on stage, Joe, Joe let this idiot come on stage because he had stacks of cash in his backpack. And he was like, I want to give money to, to to your fans, Rogan. And Joe was like, go ahead and throw it out to the fucking crowd. Dummy, if you're going to be a dummy before we kick you out. And he's letting this guy throw money in the crowd. He goes, come over here. He gets him on stage. And Joe's <clears throat> making this guy empty out his backpack because he's being a hotshot showing off. And he he threw out like 10 grand out into the audience, just fucking throwing it away like an idiot. And Joe was like, yeah, go more. I have video of it. I was, I'm was i from the side. Joe's like, yeah, go ahead, dummy. Because the guy's like, do you really want me to? He's like, dude, if you're dumb enough to give away all your fucking money, go ahead and do it. So he's throwing out 10 grand. <laughs> that was the Borgata for us. And people were fucking, tra- I mean, underlined trashed at that show. They were fucking lit. I mean, we, I played casinos before, but it was that was a, a fucking party, man. That was a... Uh, it was it was tough it's because I went out, you know. I go out, I open for him. Usually, it's me and Ian Edwards or Tony Hinchcliffe or somebody opening for Joe, and we switch, you know, first show, second show. But holy fuck, that was a tough crowd because they were fucked up yelling the whole time, man. I mean, they were just screaming.
0: Yeah, sometimes that happens, especially on a late show. Ugh. Um, it, it, you know, who I would love to work with again? I I, I toured with Dice for three years. Um, you know, somebody else in Dice. Like I love working yeah. with. Uh, yeah, he—he's probably the most fun I've ever had on the road was with him. Uh, there was no pressure because it was all Dice's fans. I was unknown at the time, so just working with him and like you know getting to stay in nice hotels—that's probably the most excited I've been in my career was the three years I was with him.
1: Yeah, well, I hope it comes back soon, dude. I hope to see. Uh, hope hope we're back soon. Hope to see you out in LA soon. Um, I thank you for doing the show. We end the ep- we end the show the same way. Uh, you uh, go ahead and finish it with one word or one phrase to close us out uh, to end the episode. So go ahead, one word or a phrase. Chip Chipperson. In here, we
0: pour whiskey, 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 whiskey. you that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy ginger. Like ba- I like gingers.